Thank you so much, ladies. TJ, you might have to adjust that. I don't want to blow it. Can anybody hear me okay? All right, good. All right. Well, the other thing you have to realize, too, is that we just ate. So I want to make sure. Usually when I just eat, my tummy gets full and I kind of get like, I'm ready for a nap. So we're not going to have you do that today, okay? All right. So I don't know. Most of you, I had the privilege of going around and meeting some of you, but there were some new faces. So I wanted to take just a minute and maybe introduce myself. Of course, Maggie introduced as far as my name. But I did want to just let you know that um, I am married to Tom. We have been married for 36 years. We have four children. James is my oldest. He's 31. Lauren, who led the music uh, today and sang, is 29. Ooh, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Let me think. I'm 55, so now it's okay. All right. Austin is uh, my next. He's my son. He's 24, and Kendra is 20. Um, we have lived in Emily City, came up here in 1996, actually to North Goodland Baptist Church, which used to be located in Brown City on Brown City and Clear Lake Road. So that's where we actually had started over there. Um, let me ask you this. Um, does anybody know the year that the original Grinch story that was written by Dr. Seuss was written? Close. Anybody else? 62, 63. 1957, Dr. Seuss wrote it. So it's been around a really long time. So there's a couple of things that when I... What's that? Just a few. Just a few. But, but it is a classic. It is a classic. Very good. Very good. So it has been around. Let me ask this, though, just out of curiosity. Is there anybody here who has never read the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas? Okay. Let me ask you this real quick. If I talk real fast, can you listen real fast? Cool. All right. We're good to go. All right. So just a little bit of information that when I was doing my research on Dr. Seuss, um, and I'm probably just going to read it because I didn't want to miss anything. Um, he wrote this story, and actually it was one of the quicker stories that he wrote, and it was wrote and wrote, written and published in 1957. Um, he also, though, it says that uh, in the story, obviously, the Grinch laments that he has had to put up with the Who's celebration of Christmas for 53 years, which was interesting because Dr. Seuss was 53 when he wrote and published the book. There was an article that was done by Red Book, and in this article, he was actually um, quoted as saying, one morning he was brushing his teeth on the morning of the 26th of the last December. He says that when he noticed a very Grinchish countenance in the mirror, it was Seuss. So he says, I wrote about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that obviously I'd lost. So with that, what we're going to do is TJ is going to show a very short clip from the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown. 
at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a Hollywood wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Classic scenes. What the Grinch is known for, obviously, for is hating Christmas. And in the rendition that they did with Jim Carrey, if you've ever seen it, he goes on as he's going through the phone book of the Who's and he's saying every name and he says, you know, he hates, he hates this, he hates that, and he loathes this. So there were some things about him that, you know, we would probably never understand. But the Grinch, if you'll notice here, he had two problems. He had a. Hold on. He had a heart problem, because then it talked about it, his heart being two sizes too small. But he also had an eye problem, because in the whole story or the clip that we just saw there, and if you've read this story, it was, it was all about him. He didn't like the stockings. He, oh, he actually hated everything. He hated the mistletoe. He hated all of those things. So he had a problem with his heart, and he had an eye problem. And because of that, it affected his perspective and his focus. Now, the interesting thing about perspective and focus is we all have them. We all have perspectives on things, and we all have focus. According to the Webster's Dictionary, perspective is a point of view. We all have a point of view on something. In this case, the Grinch's was about Christmas. A way of looking at or thinking about something. And the focus, the definition was a center of activity, attraction or attention, or a point of con. Concentration. And at this point from that clip, all the Grinch wanted to do was to stop Christmas from coming. So his perspective was twisted. So let me ask you this. I did a little bit of techie stuff, so we had TJ help me with the clip. Now I, do, I was going to do a little bit of vintage stuff. I said we all had perspectives, right? You see a glass here, right? With your raised hand, how many of you would say the glass is half full? How many of you would say the glass is half empty? You all would be right, because it's perspective. Yes, it is half full. Yes, it is half empty. Here's the vintage part. All right, so this you here, this is a sun, in case you didn't notice, I painted it, and this is a cloudy day. Again, how many of you would say this represents a partly sunny day? How many of you would say that this represents a partly cloudy day? Yes, because it is according to your perspective. So we all have perspective, and the Grinch's perspective on Christmas, because of, for whatever reason they said, was, was just completely disoriented, but it was his perspective. I don't know if any of you ever heard of, there's a Christian author by the name of Andy Andrews. How many of you have ever heard of Andy Andrews? Anybody? Oh, this is awesome. Andy Andrews is a Christian author, okay? And in this book, The Noticer, the reason that I brought it is I'm going to give you just a tidbit of a fill-in, but it has to go, there's an awesome illustration of a perspective in here. Andy Andrews, the real-life story was his mother died of cancer, and a few short years after that, while he was still a teenager, his father was killed in a car crash. And so because of that, it left him only child, it left him homeless, and he actually ended up living down in the, um, I think it was Alabama, on the beach. So he was homeless. 
So he tells a story of a friend that he had met, and the gentleman's name was Jones, not Mr. Jones. He didn't know his first name. He was just known as Jones. So he had come to see him, and he always carried a brown suitcase with him. He was old, he says, but he never did really know how old he was. And one day he comes to Andy, and Andy's out playing in the water. Andy just did whatever he could do, odd jobs, to kind of keep himself afloat, whether it was cleaning boats because they were down on the ocean, anything that he could do. So one day um, he met Jones, and he was out. Andy was in the ocean, and Jones calls him up. He says, hey, come on in. We're going to have a feast. So Andy comes up, and they're going to sit down, and and they're going to have this feast uh, on the beach. And Mr. Jones gets his feast out. And actually, the feast consisted of, my husband hates these, Vienna sausages and sardines. Now, Jones asked Andy, he said, so what what are you eating and where are you eating it? Well, Andy gave him kind of this puzzled look because, first of all, they're both sitting on the beach, okay? So, like, is this a rhetorical question? We're both here at the same place. We're both eating the same thing. And he looked at him and he says, you know what I'm eating and you know where I'm eating it, it's the same as you. And Jones says, really? And the old man teased with a shy look. He says, somehow I doubt it. So he asked Andy to answer the question. Andy, please answer the question. Okay, okay, okay. I am eating sardines and Vienna sausage in the sand, Andy replied. And Jones smiled and he says, I thought so. So Jones went on then and told him that, you know what, it is really about perspective because here we are, we're sitting at the same place, we're eating the same thing, but do you know what I had the privilege of dining on? I, while you were eating the Vienna sausage, the sardines, and the sand, he says, I dined on surf and turf with an ocean view. So it's a lot about perspective. You, you have a choice to choose how we look at things. Some of the other books, though, just real quick, that Andy Andrew does, if you ever get an opportunity, if you enjoy to read and you want to read to learn and to grow, because that's obviously the goal of why we do it, he wrote books such as um, The Boy Who Changed the World, which is an awesome children's book to read with your children. He also wrote, one of his newer ones was The Bottom of the Pool, The Noticer Returns, and that excerpt was actually from a book called The Noticer. The Butterfly Effect, if you've never read The Butterfly Effect, very short read, excellent, you... You do make a difference, every single one of you. You make a difference not only in your life, but the people that you come in contact with. And that is important to remember and to believe because it's true. He also wrote one. Here's an interesting title of a book, How to Kill 11 Million People. Do you know how? You lied to them. And it's the story of the Jews. Short read, interesting read. But that was the whole thing is you lied to them. So the Grinch had a terrible perspective. Again, he hated everything that had to do with Christmas. He hated the who's. He hated the mistletoe. He hated the stockings that they would hang. He hated the noise of the girls and boys on on that Christmas morning when they would open up their presents and they would be excited and they would play with them. He hated it. He just loathed it. He hated the feast that they would eat. He hated the hand-in-hand standing while they were singing. For 53 years he had put up with it, and now it was time to put a stop to it. But the story goes on. So we had to come up, and I probably should read the story. I was going to memorize it, so I apologize. I didn't memorize it. I didn't take the time to do it. But anyway, so he came up with this. Do you want me to read it to you? Would you like for me to read it to you? I can read fast if you can listen fast. Cool. 
And I can't guarantee you can see the pictures, but the library, this was at the Ruth Hughes Library, so it's a new, shiny book, so if you get a chance, you can read it for yourself, but I will just kind of lead off where he left off, about trying to do away with Christmas. Again, he hated all the stuff that they were good to do, but it says, then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. It says, I know just what to do, the Grinch laughed in his throat, and he made a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat, and he chuckled and clucked, what a great Grinchy trick. With the coat and the hat, I look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. And the Grinch, he looked around, says, but since reindeer are scarce, he said, there was none to be found. Oh, did that stop the old Grinch? Oh, no, not the Grinch. He simply said, if I can't find a reindeer, I will make one instead. So he called his dog Max, then he took some red thread, and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on a ramshackle sleigh, and he hitched up old Max. And let me say, by the way, if you've seen the movie The Grinch, that was a hot rod sled, so it definitely did not go to the story of the original Grinch. Then the Grinch said, giddy up! And the sleigh started down toward the homes where the Who's lay a snooze in their town. All their windows were dark, quiet snow filled the air. All the Who's were all dreaming sweet dreams without care. When he came to the first little house on the square, this is stop number one, the old Grinch claws hissed. And he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch. But if Santa could do it, then so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once for a moment or two, and then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flew, where the little who stockings all hung in a row. Those stockings, he grinned. They're the first to go. You're not supposed to lick your fingers, are you? Don't touch. Don't see that. All right. Then he slithered and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room, and he took every present. Pop guns and bicycles, roller skates, drums, checkerboards, tricycles, popcorns and plums, and he stuffed them in bags and the Grinch very nimbly stuffed all of the bags one by one up the chimney. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding and he took the roast beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why that Grinch even took the last can of Who hash? Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee, and now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. And the Grinch grabbed the tree, and he started to shove when he heard a small sound, like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast, and he saw a small who, little Cindy Lou Who, who was not more than two. The Grinch had been caught by this tiny who daughter who got out of bed for a cup of cold water. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking the Christmas tree? Why? But you know that old Grinch was so smart and so slick. He thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, that fake Santa Claus lied. There's a light on the tree that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there and I'll bring it back here. And this fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he gave her, gave her a drink and sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who went to bed with her cup, he went up the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then the last thing he took was the log for the fire. Then he went up the chimney himself, that old liar. On their walls, he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a Who mouse. 
Then he did the same thing to all the whose houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other whose mouses. It was quarter past dawn, although who's still a bed, although who's still a snooze, when he picked up his sled, packed it up with the presents, the ribbons and wrappings, the tags and the tinsel, the trimmings and trappings. Anybody remember where the who lived? The name of the mountain? What was it? Yes, yes, 3,000 feet up. That's a hike. Up the side of Mount Crumpet, he made with his load to the tip top to dump it. Poo-poo to the who's, he was grinchishly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're, they'll just wake up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry. Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch. Then I, I must simply hear. So he paused and the Grinch put a hand to his ear and he did hear a sound Rising over the snow, it started out low, and it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents and all. He hadn't stopped Christmas. From coming it came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something that he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. And he brought back the toys and the food and the feast. And he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. He had a perspective of what Christmas was, but he realized that even with his plan, he couldn't stop Christmas because Christmas isn't about the decorations. It isn't about the feast. It isn't about the presents. It isn't about any of all that stuff. Christmas is about Christ. And at the very beginning, when God made Adam and Eve... We talked about perspective. Perspective is about choice. And that choice that we have has been given to us by God. When God made Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve both made a choice to disobey God. And because of that, the relationship that God had with man was severed. But it was because of God's love that he sent us Christ and why we have Christmas. You see, in John 3.16, it says, For God... So loved the world. And when we say world, sometimes so many people think of that globe thing, right? You know, the earth, the planet earth. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about each one of you and each one of us. So with that verse, if you have a chance and can look it up, John three sixteen, or if you know it, you can personalize that and say, For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. That's why he did it. In 1 John 4, 9, it says we love. The only way that we can love 
is because God loved us first. And he loved us so much that he gave his son to come and be born on this earth a baby with a specific purpose in mind. Romans 5.5 says that God commended or demonstrated his love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the birth of Christ was but for one reason, that sweet little babe who left the realms of heaven, which was God's plan so that we could be reconciled back to him. Why? Because he loved us, a love like no other. And I really believe because we have finite minds, I don't really believe that we can ever fully comprehend God's love for us. I really don't. Because we love, but so many times when we love, our love is conditional. And, and we don't like to admit that, and sometimes we don't see it. But so many times our love is conditional. This holiday of Christmas could not have happened without the birth of Christ. And we think that of Christmas as Christ, a babe in a manger. But he didn't stay that. He grew. He grew and he lived on this life 33 and a half years before he went to the cross. And he went to the cross to die for us because he wanted that relationship to be able to give us a choice, to be able to restore the relationship that had been broken because of the fall of man from Adam and Eve. But the greatest gift of all that he gave was that gift of love, not just to some but to all. God says in the New Testament that he would, have, he would have none that would perish. But see, love isn't love. You can't make somebody love you. When you, make, you. If you were to make somebody love you, it's not love. Love is a choice. And God wanted each one of his creations to have the opportunity to choose. But the gift that he gave is available for all. So when we, re when we receive Christ or we receive that gift or we accept the Jesus, Jesus as our Savior or we accept just the gift of salvation that, he get, get, that you accept God's love for you, then and only then can you, through his love, and the verse, if you noticed on the tables in there, was Mark 12, 30 and 31. And what it states is only through the acceptance of Christ's love for us because he loved us first, then can we love the Lord our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And then, and only then, after we've received the love gift from God, can we love others as ourselves. And in John 13, 35, it actually states that by this, meaning our love for other people, will people know that you are my followers. So if you are a Christ follower, you have that love that God has given you because you've accepted the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of salvation. If you're not a Christ follower, you know, this is Christmas. Some people argue or maybe don't understand or don't agree with it. It doesn't say scripturally in God's word, the Bible, that Jesus Christ was born on December 25th. No, it does not. But they have picked that day. And we talked about perspective. You can get caught up in the commercialization. You can get up. Do we not all sometimes? I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I feel grinchy at Christmas time because there's so many things to do. You got to get the decorations out. You got to decorate the tree. You got to buy the right gifts for the right people. You have all the parties to go to and the teas to go to and the office parties. And you just have so many things to do. But the problem with that, the problem when I do that is that my perspective or my focus is off. It's not about that. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things.
But what we need to do, and here's another thing. You know, there's so many things. Perspective. Can Christmas, for some, be depressing? Yes. For whatever reason. Maybe, you, maybe there's a loved one that's not with us this Christmas season that was last Christmas season. But if we can truly focus on the true meaning of Christmas, which is Christ, and why he came here and his purpose in life was to be born, but was to go to the cross to die for us so that one day we could live in heaven for all eternity for him. So I have one other question. Who can tell me, and I need you to, I tell you what, we'll do a raise a hand. Who can raise their hand, and I'm going to watch, hopefully I'll get the first one, and tell me how old Dr. Seuss was when he wrote. Abby. Melody. 53. Very good. All right, so now, 53. And I know many of you knew it because you were listening intently as I read. I have a gift here, right? Everybody see a gift? What does she have to do for it to become her gift? Uh, Do you want the gift? As As it is with salvation. God says, I have a gift for you. I love you more than you will ever fully comprehend. I love you so much that I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to be born on that earth, to leave the realms of glory so that one day he would live a sinless life, a perfect life. He would die on the cross with you in mind. But he says, I can't make you take it. I'm not going to force it on you, but it's here if you want it. The gift of salvation is for everyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To receive that gift of salvation, it's, it's very simple. In the Bible, it says that we're all sinners. I don't really think if you're honest with yourself, or if you're honest, I'd like to think we're all honest, are you really going to question the fact that we all haven't done something that would go against God's word? I think we can all say that. And the Bible says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. In Romans, it also says that because of that sin, because of the wrong things that we've done, that there's a payment. When you go to work, how many of you in here work? Or either have worked, will work, do work, and you get a wage free work? You guys don't work for free, do you? Okay, cool. All right. So when you work at your job, they pay you a wage for the work that you do, correct? Now, is it ever enough? It's never enough, and it's probably never really what you're worth. But needless to say, you earn a wage for the job that you do. So for the wage or the payment for our sin, because we're sinners, and we is death, total separation from God. Why? Because God is perfect, and he can't have sin in heaven. But he wants you there. He wants you to spend all eternity with him forever. So he says, do you believe in me? Do you believe that I loved you so much that I sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. It is a gift that I offer. I want you to be with me. But the choice really is up to you. So we need to just admit that we're sinners. We believe that Jesus Christ loved us so much that that is what he did for, that, for us. The Bible, yes, you may not be a Christ follower, but there are historical documentation of those things that happened. But it's up to us to believe it. And our perspective may be strewn from maybe what we've experienced in the past. Each of us have a past. Each of us have a different story. Each of us were raised different ways. 
But my prayer today before I ever got here, long before when Maggie asked me if I would speak, I have been praying for you. Maybe not my name because I didn't know all of you and I still don't know all of your names. But I prayed to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, you know who's going to be there. You know what they need. And I pray that as I have the privilege to speak today, that you would just speak through me. Help me not to say anything that I shouldn't say. Help me to say only the things that I need to say. But most importantly, that today, if there is someone out there who has never received the precious gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, that today would be that day. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. And Lord, you tell us in your word, Lord, that... You love us. For God so loved, and we can put our name in there. Everyone on this planet can put their name on there. And you loved us so much that you gave your only son, Lord, that by accepting what you've done for us and believing that you loved us, Lord, that if we just ask you, that you will save our soul, that you will come into our hearts, you will be our Lord and King, and Lord, you will help us so that we never have to go through another day alone. We can have hope knowing, Lord, that we don't understand everything that, that happens to us, Lord, but we know that you are a heavenly Father, you are a good Father. And, Lord, you have come into this world, Lord, so that we might have an abundant life. And then one day, Lord, when our life on earth is done, that we can spend all of eternity with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you today, you may not be a Christ follower. And like I said, maybe, maybe you, this is the first time you've heard anything like this, but you would say maybe with a raised hand, you know what, I don't... I don't know if I'm saved, but, but I would like to consider it. I would like to, to ask Jesus. I would like more information on it. If that is you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip up to your hand and just say, just pray for me. I don't know. Maybe this is the first time I've ever heard it. I've never received that gift of salvation that God has offered to each and every person. That I don't know that if today was a day that I would draw my last breath, that I would spend eternity in heaven. My husband and I were in, a, in an accident, in a motorcycle accident in June, and let me tell you, I didn't plan it. But I do know in my heart that when I was saved and asked Jesus to save me when I was eight years old, that I know that if the Lord, if I would have died on that pavement that day, that my next breath would have been in heaven with Christ. I know that because he tells me that in his word. So just with a raised hand, would you just raise your hand and say, just pray for me, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever received that gift before. Thank you. And if you have received that gift of salvation, let us at this time during this Christmas season, Lord, just really focus on who you are and what the, trees, what the season is really meant for. Lord, for that one person who, who had raised her hand, Father, I just pray. You know, so many times we think we just have to have the perfect prayers or the perfect word, but God knows your heart. And all he says is that if you want to be saved, it's the heart, Lord, that you look at. And so if you, if anyone in the room wants to just accept that gift of salvation today that God so freely gave, I just ask that the prayer won't save you, but the words in your heart will. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I ask him to save me, and I ask him to be the Lord of my life. I thank you, Lord, for saving me today, and I thank you that you will lead and guide me in the rest of my life. Dear Heavenly Father, for every single person here, the Christmas season, Lord, you are the reason for this season. Without you, there is, there is no reason for it. So, Father, I just pray at this busy time when sometimes we do get so busy and we get overwhelmed with the things that go on and the things that we feel that we need to do or we have to do, Lord, I just pray with all of my heart and soul, Lord, that we would take a moment and ponder and really focus, Lord, on the true meaning of Christmas, and that is the birth of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. 
So, Lord, we thank you today. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me today. I pray for every single person in this room, Lord. For those that know Christ, Lord, I pray that uh, this would be perhaps the best holiday season ever as we focus on you. And as uh, we get ready to leave, Father, I do pray that you would give us all traveling mercies. And, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow may hold, but we do know, Lord, that you love us, and it's because of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can have hope for it. It's in your name that we ask these things. Amen.